0: Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Uh, I'm kind of rushing through the intro. I've got to head into work, uh, pierce a little girl's earlobes, I'm going to work for a half day, and then I'm going to be on my way to Montreal i um, heading up there to take a class from Progressive Mentorship tomorrow. My friends Jesse Villamare and FX Roy are going to be teaching their hygiene classes. I'm really looking forward to that. I've never really seen them I- instruct in their Progressive Mentorship roles. I've seen them instruct plenty of times at the APP conference, but um, this is my first time being able to go to one of their private seminars. I've got a little bit of news on my seminars coming up. Uh, First weekend of February in 2018, I'll be in Florida teaching a class for the Florida Piercers Group. Then the following week, I'll be in Maryland teaching for the Maryland Piercers Group. I'm going to be putting together a class called Understanding and Applying Freehand Piercing Techniques. Really looking forward to that one. Should be a pretty good class. So my guest this week is Jave Fiel, um, and if you're looking for specifically a, a body piercer or, or someone in a, a jewelry company, um, you might not recognize the name, but Jave is uh, very well known in, in Europe and throughout the suspension community in the entire world. Uh, he's a performance artist, he's a suspension practitioner and facilitator, uh, part of Wings of Desire and Pain Solution. Uh, he's a really driven guy, really passionate. Uh, I've never really been into suspension, but you know, going to some of the events that I've seen him at, uh, BMX and the Oslo Suspension Symposium, uh, I really had a, a, a newfound respect for the suspension community, uh, and I think a lot of that comes from the direction of Jave. Um, he's very meticulous in his uh, cleanliness and in his care and, and making sure that the, the passion comes through, when, when people really want to, to express something through suspension, uh, he's really great at helping to facilitate that. So, we talk about how he first started getting involved in, in body art and uh, body exploration, uh, his kind of take on what being a, a fakir means. Um, we talk about his first exposure to suspension and the different challenges he had to face to kind of get where he wanted to get with suspension and, and make it something a little bit different than what he'd seen before. Uh, and then we also talk about the different Suscons and his work uh, with Stellark doing their performance pieces. So it's a pretty interesting interview. It's a pretty long one, though. So, you know, grab a snack, uh, hit a bathroom break. Uh, it's a little over an hour. So let's jump into talking to Jave Fjell. Yeah, my name is Javier uh, Fjell.
1: I live in Oslo, Norway, and um, founder of Pain Solution and uh, Wings of Desire. I also run uh, PS Media and uh, soon to be launching uh, the
0: PS Hooks. So, how long have you been into suspension, and how did you like first become exposed to it? Um, I did my first suspension
1: in 2001 mm-hmm. in Oslo uh, after. I think a good 10 years of uh, wanting it, Mm -hmm. needing it, and uh, researching it. Uh, No one else was doing suspensions in Norway at the time, and uh, I didn't really find any other people around Europe. Um, When I was first exposed to suspensions, uh, like in the back of my mind... I think through the film A Man Called Horse, Mm -hmm. uh, without without it like triggering me. But then when I got a copy of uh, Modern Primitives in uh, 89, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of mine who was running like an indie uh, book uh, store, he was like, this book is for you. I'll trade you for your sai swords or whatever. Yeah. He was into martial arts and I had some stuff that he wanted. And he said, oh, you need this book. Cool. And he was right. So, um, flicking through this book, uh, of course, one of the images that really struck me was uh, was the, the images of, uh, of suspensions, mm-hmm. Fakir uh, suspending. And I had this sensation that this is this is me in the
0: future. Mm -hmm. Like it was like the the missing element for you? This is
1: something I need to do. Yeah. Um, At the same time, I was kind of coming out of the closet as a Fakir Mm -hmm. myself. Um, And to just clarify a little bit, uh, Fakir took uh, took this as a name. Yeah. Um, To me, it's more like a title. It's a like a professional title. Mm-hmm. It's a, that's what I am defines my my work. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, and at the same time, you know, I, I from my teenage background, you know, I was doing a lot of self harm, not motivated and uh, like triggered by uh, mental health issues, more like out of Exploration. curiosity curiosity. I right. was curious. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been intrigued by scars mm. like since I was a very young child I had a, I had surgery when I was like 1 or 2 years old and I was so proud of the scars mm. after and uh, it also made me interested in other people's scars. Yeah. So I I feel like it's it's like it's it's been with me my whole life you know this interest for for scars mm. and, and alterations of the body and uh, tattoos piercings you know indigenous cultures yeah from uh, numerous you know places around the world
0: and then when you saw modern primitives it must have just kind of like clicked and for then you. Yeah, the, yeah it was
1: that was kind of like uh, the discovery it's like okay so all my interest and all my, like, exploration and, and researching pain without any, I didn't have any explanation for it. People were like, but, but, why, but why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Are you crazy? Ah, yeah, yeah, are you crazy? Do yeah. you need some help? you right. need some counseling? He's like, no, I, don't, I just need a fucking scalpel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, so Modern Primitives was, was, was uh, kind of an eye-opener not kind of it was the eye opener mm-hmm. it, was, it gave me some direction to all the stuff that I've been doing for many years already mm-hmm. uh, but without any direction yeah so uh, of course reading the the first and biggest chapter in the book uh, Fakir Musafar, mm-hmm. it like gave me a lot of explanations that I didn't have
0: right it articulated maybe yes the, a feeling you yes. had but you know Yes, presented indeed. in a way that made sense
1: and uh, of course uh, some of the things that were really intriguing to me was the the out-of-body experiences you know the altered states of mind mm-hmm. and and you know uh, separating body and soul uh, so I started like exploring things in a different way and also of course through this book I got a lot of new ideas mm-hmm. not like not just like cutting or burning yeah well so I started exploring more and you know and I got these ideas you know I um, bought a bunch of padlocks that I would stitch to my chest and wear for a couple of days mm-hmm. under my shirt it was like a personal thing not not like a performance right, or anything right. and so I, I, I left Oslo <clears throat> for a year I went to South America I went to Brazil for a year and it's numerous reasons. It was partly like dodging military service, mm-hmm. partly dodging the police that was trying to kind of uh, close the net around me. Yeah. I was uh, I was uh, I was also like an official spokesman for our community, mm-hmm. um, and of course in a tiny place like Oslo. It, yeah, you probably get a lot of attention for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I needed to get away from Oslo, and I also needed some space. Right. Um. Space to to go deeper into my personal studies in like becoming a fakir, because mm-hmm. I felt I I cannot just say I made this discovery and now I'm a fakir. I needed you know to distance myself from my environment. Yeah. Go to a different country, travel around, you know, I had my kit with needles and connect to my piercings to add weight, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so I could come back and claim, you know, uh, the title. Yeah. And somehow, you know, when when uh, people asked after this, so why do you do all this stuff? Yeah, because I'm a fakir. Mm-hmm. Then that was like the end of the discussion. Yeah. So in Brazil, I built my first bed of nails. I, uh, you know, I was exploring this and I was traveling and also like finding myself. It was kind of when this year was the year that I grew up. Okay. And it was in uh, I was in Brazil between 1990 and
0: 91. Mm-hmm. So you kind of found yourself.
1: Yes, and it was also, of course, this uh, being in a different country. You find yourself in situations and. Uh, all of a sudden you're shitty situation mm. and you don't have your friends close by. You can't call your father and say, like, what's your advice, you know? You're fucking stuck in the middle of the jungle. Yeah, you just have to adapt and, and figure and it out. And you deal with shit. Mm. So I felt really, like, this year I grew up a lot and uh, when I came back to Norway, it's like, yeah, okay, claimed the title, I'm a fakir. Also did my first public performance in Brazil in '91, mm-hmm. uh, which really, really sucked. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, of course. Uh, uh, for me, the the things I was doing was interesting to me, for my
0: personal right. uh, sensation. But maybe other people just didn't understand but what you were it, going it for. But it wasn't
1: it wasn't really a good show, right? To put on the stage. Yeah. For me to sit there and. You know, shove needles in myself and attach weights to my mm-hmm. piercings, which was pretty much what I did yeah. for 15 minutes. It's not really a performance. And the audience was very expressive about their feelings about what I did. Okay. And they were calling me all sorts of, you know, names and like. Thinking you're gold. crazy or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Didn't appreciate it. Yeah. Which was devastating because it was my grand. First debut, the yeah, debut, right. But it taught me a very important lesson in terms of thinking that uh, what I do to myself, that is interesting to myself, may not be interesting for you, yeah, as an exp- like uh, as the viewer. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to put this on stage, I need to make a whole new approach.
0: Showmanship, to, to,
1: yeah. You know, to make it interesting so for is an that audience. How you kind
0: of started to move towards kind of like the headmaster persona. Yeah,
1: that's when I started the, uh, you know, going to acting classes, taking mime classes, going to clown classes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, learning juggling, doing a lot of uh, other stuff, which was not really related to to the work I do as a fakir. Yeah but it gave me a stage vocabulary yeah
0: a better way to present it to so other
1: i can create a character on stage and you know because just me shirtless mm-hmm. shoving needles in myself
0: it's not, not really so interesting yeah yeah
1: but you, you choreograph that to a piece of music mm-hmm. and you, you have makeup and the costume a and some humor. you go into a different persona yeah uh, totally changes the game and in the beginning, there was not much humor in Pain Solution. I, right. I, I found the Pain Solution in Uh I was very serious about it. Mm. It was very, like, ritual approach to things, you know, candles. How did you
0: settle on that name?
1: Um, we were doing... When I came back to, to, to Oslo, I, I teamed up with some other guys that was also, like, into doing fire mm. and um, juggling. And um, so we, in the beginning, it was kind of juggling and fire and uh, and we did some shows at some parties and uh, we did some shows for some bands uh, you know on the stage their reviews would be really good and pictures would have us in them mm-hmm. but we didn't have a name right so we were just like stage filling yeah for this band mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh fuck that! We should have a band playing for us, and right. we should be the main act, and app. have a backing band playing for us. Mm-hmm. So that was the first approach, and I got some musicians together. We were two, two performers and like five musicians. And actually, with that constellation, we only did one gig. We were uh, we were invited to do a, a show on this youth program on TV. We're going on TV. We need to have a name. Mm-hmm. Because if people see us on TV and they want to book us... Yeah, they who need to the know fuck who, are, are. who the fuck are they going to ask for? Right. So uh, so I invited uh, like uh, all the guys to, the, you know, let's meet in this bar. Beer's on me. We need to brainstorm. We need to find a name. Mm-hmm. And of course, the five musicians, they were only interested in, in the free beer. Yeah. And me and the other performer were brainstorming. Okay. Actually brainstorming. And yeah. we were like, yeah, pitching... You Know, try and you know, whip some ideas around and come up with something, and then Paint Solution Incorporated okay came up PSI for short, mm-hmm. PS uh, Paint Solution Inc. So we became Paint Solution. We went on TV, did this gig, it was pretty good, and then we had a big fallout. And because the band, the main musician, the composer, he was he wanted to be a rock star, like for me, I wanted. Musicians to back us up. Right. So we only uh, did actually that one gig on TV, Mm -hmm. national TV, and then I fired all the band. Yeah. Except for one guy, the Didgeridoo player. Yeah. He stayed on. And we continued as uh, three people. And then then time passes and things change. And uh, in the beginning, as I said, very serious, very dark, Mm -hmm. serious, heavy. And then it started to get a little bit lighter. As yeah, time went? Yeah, yeah. And it's, at some point, somebody told me, yeah, "Yeah, it's a pretty good show, but you should you should bring some comedy into uh-huh. it."
0: I like, yeah, because I remember before I, before I really knew you, uh, you know, you had like the grim makeup and it was like this this serious face and you know more blood ritual kind of a feel to it. And then as time goes and and I start seeing you perform live, it's like it's got this great like upbeat energy. Um, and you're you're putting all these smiles on people's faces, like you're still doing something like really serious and really powerful, but you're kind of making it more like fun for people and like this positive energy with it.
1: Yeah, no, and uh, it's part of me wishes that I had discovered comedy combined with the the language of pain solution sooner. Yeah, because it makes it a lot more accessible mm-hmm. to more people. Yeah, and this was also something you know after the first ten years, like. <sighs> I don't want to just be in the underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to have I, more exposure. This, is, this yeah. is what I do for a living. Yeah. I want to not necessarily make sideshow mainstream, mm-hmm. but make the mainstream aware that sideshow is good
0: fucking entertainment. Yeah, it's a valid it, form of expression. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've had some really good uh, opportunities through, like, state funding and, like, arts programs and lots of, like, big public performances too, right?
1: Yeah. Not gotten that much funding, but... Uh, Every once in a while, you know, Mm -hmm. one of my applications gets accepted and gets uh, some grants, like traveling grants, Mm -hmm. to go perform in Japan or go perform in the U.S. Yeah. Or, you know... uh, But this is also because um, I joined, like, the the union or the organization of the Free Scenic Arts Mm -hmm. of Norway. So that's a bunch of... Dance companies, theater companies that are not institutionalized, mm-hmm. you know. Right. That's the closest organization for me to join. Yeah. To legitimize my own stage art. Yeah. So what I do, I I, I make art on stage. Mm-hmm. Maybe it can be defined as theater, but not what you would think of as theater. Yeah, it's like a it's different definitely kind of not it's dance spiritual performance it, art. Yeah, maybe, yeah. So uh, it's it's kind of you know, and there is no organization like that for sideshow, right? Uh, you know, or for for mm-hmm. or for you know body art performance. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, I found that okay, I, I will I will join this union, pay the dues annually, and be part of it, and it gives me access. To travel funds, it's not granted that I will get it every time I apply. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's it's, it's good it's that you a, have it's the opportunity community. for that kind of support. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. that's
0: that's really that must be great as an artist to be able to have that kind of community where they 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 see you as like legitimate art.
1: Yeah, right? but still, still, I'm 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 like the underdog. The fringe yeah, community, I'm <laughs> I'm sure. because you know, yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. it has to uh, be tough for some people to understand yeah. it. But like now, it's it's twenty five years. And I'm still doing this for a living. Yeah. So, like it or not, at least you cannot not acknowledge... Yeah, you have to, you have to appreciate the validity valid. of it at a
0: certain point, yeah.
1: And that uh, Pain Solution does travel around the world. Mm-hmm. And we, we perform in Japan, we perform in the States, in yeah. South America, all over Europe. We've been to Russia, We, you know, Australia, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So... That gives it some validity, yeah. Whether or not you
0: like the style that we present. Mm-hmm. So when it, when it comes to suspension, I, I think a lot of people would see you as kind of like an industry elder with suspension, and, and you're definitely one of the more respected names that comes up as as an authority with suspension. So how did how did you really cross that line of kind of like coming to the forefront of suspension, rather than doing it for more of like a a, a personal kind of group, and then making uh, groups that kind of supported other people's like uh, education for suspension and facilitating suspension for so many other people. Like, how did that come about? Well,
1: like I said, uh, around 89, 90, I was like, okay, suspension is something I need to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's also part of my personal journey as a fakir. I was like kind of this, if nothing else, this is probably this is going to take me, you know, over the edge, mm. and you know, get me that out-of-body experience yeah. that I'm urging mm-hmm. to, to have. Um, of course, uh, it took uh, took me like ten years to get to the point when I could actually get suspended mm-hmm. because in Norway, yeah, I found someone who had done it yeah. in the U.S. right with Indians, uh, he couldn't really coach me or give me any information, he confirmed yes, I've done it, uh, that's what Mark can, like, I don't know what to tell you, mm-hmm. I can give you any information. Then when I eventually got the computer and internet, you know, found BME online, uh, found uh, Alan Faulkner and TSD, uh, found Stellark, uh, more information, uh, because, you know, going to the library in Oslo and searching for body suspension it's yeah not much very limited right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what you find imagine. you know yeah. <laughs> and it was like still the manual search mm. you know yeah, uh, the card files the card files yeah. yes uh, no no uh, data Computer mm-hmm. files to search, and uh, you know, and I was searching for kirs, and that like just pointed to dervishes and sadhus and yogis, mm-hmm. and it did like the research did really give me a lot of information from many different cultures. Yeah. Finally, Alan Faulkner, um, when well, I emailed him and said, "Hey, I really want to suspend." uh i've been looking at this for years uh, can you give me some some information he said yeah sure what do you want to know so we were like emailing back and forth for a couple of years mm-hmm. and he would answer all my questions and try and give me all the advice and also say yeah it's just like fly me over to oslo
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i'll show you whatever <laughs> you want. Know, yeah. Like, yeah i wish i could you yeah. know
1: i don't have that kind of money mm-hmm. uh but finally I felt like, okay, now I have all the information, I know kind of what, I think I know what kind of hooks I need to, to uh-huh. buy and grind them down. And yeah, okay, I've, I, have a, I have a great, like an idea uh-huh. of how to do this, I, I'm ready. Then I had uh, some problems with my back, so I had surgery and I have to wait to, you know. So I, I was waiting really long. For this, and finally, when I did my first suspension, I did a four-point suicide in the show, coaching my partner who had not done the research on like yeah. how to. You know, this is this is how you should right. do, like, put the hook in. So you were kind of then.
0: facilitating your own suspension through someone else, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: but my back it wasn't healed properly from the surgery yet Mm -hmm. so it was like it just was excruciating painful in the lower back like the 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 hooks Uh that was i could I, i couldn't even get to the point to kind of ease into the hooks because my lower back was just fucking killing me. And, okay. the, you know, the sort of pain that it's not something you can breathe through, right, you know? Right. You just feel like this, just this, this is something wrong. And I was, like, limping off stage mm-hmm. afterwards and so disappointed because, like, where's right. where, where's my meeting with God? <laughs> you know, where's the white light? You know, <laughs> yeah, with, yeah. Uh, all these expectations that I had uh, it didn't put me off. I was like, yeah... If, shortly after um, including a suspension in another show which made it easier for me to actually get to do it because you produce a show and you make your plans and and the second time I actually had a juggler and an actress piercing me huh. um, and I had to code like kind of explain to them this is how you rig it this is you know put the hooks through and the second time it was it was successful I didn't Get the out of body experience, but I definitely got into that headspace. Right. that, that, that kind of clarity. Can give you it's yeah. like just like this, wow, this weird dizziness where like up and down, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I just went from there and I was like, you yeah, fuck yeah, this is great, this is great thing. And already the second time, somebody came up to me after the show and say, yeah, is it possible to try this, mm. and I was like yeah, maybe, I haven't thought about it. It's like, this is something I've been exploring and researching because I want to do it, yeah. not to provide it to others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like, yeah, it's, it's maybe, you know, I don't know. Uh, and also I was keen on you know teaching others, you know, creating a little, some sort of a community around it. And I was like, this is a great sensation, you know, I was telling all my friends, you should try this. Right, you, know, it's you like, wanted this, to share it with you, other people. This is, this is like, this is amazing. And people are like, yeah, no, I don't know about that, isn't it painful? So, yeah, yeah, but that's part. That's the point. Right, you know? right. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's painful, but then, then it's not, mm-hmm. and then just great. So between trying to train the people that worked with me in Pain Solution at the time, and try and create you know some fuss around it and and also having people coming to me every time i suspended publicly there would be like one or two people coming up to me asking can i try yeah i want to try this Mm -hmm. this looks great and this is some of the magic with suspension you know most people probably is like, yeah, no, not for yeah, me. But some people but, it just it resonates yeah, and grabs them. Yeah, yeah. As soon as they are exposed to it mm-hmm. and they see it live, yeah, there's like, I have to do this. I think I, want I think there's something
0: this. in like the the primitive mind where you see certain things. Uh, Tattooing or piercing or suspension or, or scarification or something and you can't explain why it grabs you But it, it just it makes sense to you the second you see it. Yeah, and you're like I need to experience this You know, I was the same way when I saw modern primitives But for me it was like the scarification and the piercings and it was just like I don't even know what this is But I need this. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah No, it definitely resonates uh, to certain people and um, so so I did my first suspension in 2001 and um, beginning of 2002 I organized and hosted a uh, body suspension workshop in Oslo and I invited someone over from England that had more experience than me to co-host the workshop and teach and and, uh, for the first time we were like exploring different positions like knee suspensions, comas, lotus. Um, This guy has ever like Ginger was his name. He he disappeared later, but he came over we, we Yeah, we didn't resonate well with each other But we we pulled this workshop off and I invited people like over from Sweden and Denmark and like from the piercing and tattoo uh, Communities people that I knew it's like yeah, you want to come and some people came because they wanted to get suspended mm-hmm. Some people came because they wanted to learn about suspensions yeah And one thing led to another, and then it's like, yeah, I want to do more. I was, like, really on a mission to, you know, it's like, suspensions, that's the shit. Right, yeah. Like, everybody, come on. (laughs) Like, everyone over 18 years should try this. Yeah. And um, it was also a lot of random coincidence that happened. Um, There was where the Opera House is now in Oslo. That was a harbor. Okay. Docks. Uh, with big old warehouses and um, and of course in the preparations to you know build the opera house, the docks were closed down. These warehouses were empty for uh, some time, and um, some people that I know in Oslo they had uh, like managed to get like uh, access to these warehouses and made them available for cultural as a cultural space. Cool. Uh, between being shut down and emptied and being demolished. Yeah. So in this time frame, which was like two or three months, they had access to these warehouses, uh, with no cost. You just pay the electricity. And they were trying to fill, you know, fill as many slots as possible in this limited time for events to happen. There was lots of different events going on and they just so how about you? You want you wanna throw an event in this warehouse? Uh, this weekend is free. It's like, fuck yeah, yeah! I'll make a body suspension festival. Yeah, he invited uh, a lot of people from you know f- everyone that I I knew and thought could be interested, and I like made a big party. I had live bands and DJs and a big bar and like tattoo booth and fashion show and like way too much stuff compiled into this yeah. <laughs> this dirty cold. Warehouse with one uh, sink uh, with only cold water okay. and like the like uh, and porta pots outside, yeah, uh, and uh, posters all over town. And it was a pretty good event, but it was also a disaster in many ways. Okay, it was the first Oslo SusCon, although it wasn't called the SusCon at the time, but yeah, so yeah, but it's a suspension festival. And it was, it was great. It was good. But there was, you know, not the ideal space for it. Uh, all these things. Uh, but uh, I thought, okay, I'll do this again next year. But cut all the crap. Yeah, with like, improvements. It, yeah, like, I'm sure you have to learn fo- as you go. Let's focus on suspensions. Right. And not
0: all the extra little
1: things. And, like, you can go to a concert mm-hmm. to see a live band. You can go to a fashion show to see a fashion show. You can, you know... We don't need to make it this huge party with all the added extras. Let's just focus. Let's bring it down to what I really want to make. It's a suspension convention. It's about suspensions. Yeah. Fuck the rest. So the year after, we moved it on to a, to a boat, actually. The second Soscom uh, was on a boat in the, in the same area where the opera is now. It uh, was a
0: boat with a theater stage inside. Um, that must have been a really interesting experience with just the yeah the shift of it the was boat cool. when it you was, were suspended. Yeah, yeah. It, was,
1: it was cool. Yeah, but it was a little too small. Okay. So the third year, uh, I sourced another venue, and again, it was kind of random. Uh, this, this this really nice venue in Oslo called Moonfisken, uh, means the moonfish, which is an old um, textile mill by the river. And it's been turned into an event space, and I remember like being there partying when I was like 16. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, and it's now become like a. It started as like an underground venue with punk rock gigs and stuff, and it's become a commercial rent-out venue. And they were like, "Yeah, ah, we've become too commercial. We need to get kind of back to our roots a little bit." and uh, so they told me we want to make our venue accessible to like underground people, people that came from the same punk rock mm-hmm. DIY scene as ourselves. Yeah. Um, at a, like a lower rate. Uh, we want to cut some really good deals because we feel like now we're making enough money with the, all the weddings and the corporate events and all this shit. But we need, you know, we need to feel the tie Passion. to our background. Right, right. So if you have any ideas, Hover, if you if you want to produce something, if you want to make it like an event, please come talk to us. That's but a cool opportunity. Actually, <laughs> actually. Yeah, I have a <laughs> great idea. Looking, <laughs> actually, I have this suspension thing that I'm, yeah. I've done years now and now I want to continue and this is the perfect space maybe not like so high super high ceilings but we have like six to eight suspension points in there and so we moved the Soscon there and that's where we've been ever since so cool. the Oslo Soscon has, has been at Monde now since since 2004 wow yeah. and contract is already signed for next year awesome. everything's
0: like that's a running running deal yeah and it it seems like you've you've really grown it into something that's that's very well refined you know because i'm i'm not really i've never suspended before i'm not really part of that community i've I've seen bits and pieces of it like i came to the the oslo suspension symposium a few years ago yeah and it was really impressive just to see the the level of care and precision and and the rigging was like such an art form in itself and it was just like it was really really interesting to see it you know because from an outsider's perspective i was like well, you know, I, I get why people use it as like a spiritual release, but I've, I've never really seen it where it's resonated with me. And then when I saw it and, and saw all the care that, that went into it and, and saw like the, the emotion the, between like the team of people facilitating it and the, the, the people who were suspending, it was just really interesting to see that and all the different perspectives of like especially having like Alan there and, and having you there and just seeing like the leadership of it. Um, it, it was it was really impressive, you know? and, and I think you've been a really big influence on suspension worldwide because of that, and I think now people look at you as as this authority figure. And now, when you were trying to seek out that information before, and you could just find bits and pieces, now I think people are kind of seeking out that information from you, and they're they're trying to trying to gain some of your knowledge to make their own experience.
1: Firstly, when I started uh, researching suspensions and. Um had never seen it live, didn't have access to anyone. Like one of the people, on the one hand, I found Fakir Musafar mm-hmm. and his spiritual approach. And on the other hand, I found Stellark, which is nothing art. spiritual, right? but uh, intriguing rigging, mm-hmm. uh, exploring different positions, and presenting suspension as an art performance two very different influences. Mm-hmm. And they both resonated with me. Yeah. So, uh, and being a performer on the one hand and also researching my own like spiritual path on the other hand, you know, both of these influences was very strong and uh, resonating with me. Yeah. I never, never really had like the out-of-body experience. I never had that uh, spiritual uh, experience from suspension but mm-hmm. I found uh, a lot of other things mm-hmm. and uh, I found my own answers within it I never had a, like a clue when I started that I would become who who I am today and, and have this position in the suspension community Yeah, I always wanted to do what I do, I want to do it well mm-hmm. I mean that it was shows. like shows like, with, yeah. with Pain Solution in the beginning it's like yeah I want to be like among the best sideshow performers in the world. Mm-hmm. That's that's my goal. Yeah. That's what I wanna that's what I want to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So when I got into suspensions, I, I want to be the best possible suspension practitioner yeah. that I can be. Mm-hmm. And like and even that in the beginning I was just like researching it for myself. Becoming a practitioner was because people was asking for it. So Okay, this this has been shared with me. I've had this great experience through suspension. Mm-hmm. Now you want to share I, it with others. I I owe it yeah. to pass it on mm-hmm. and to share it with others. And if other people want the experience, they shouldn't have to spend ten years figuring it out. Right. Because now I got the basics and now I want to evolve mm-hmm. from there. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the first people that I recruited Two Wings of Desire uh, was Christiane from Pinpoint Piercing Uh because I knew, like, yeah, I have certain experience from my practice as a fakir and from pain solution. But uh, I was briefly doing piercings for a couple years Uh in the early 90s and. Admittedly, you know, my standards wasn't really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then I was getting into suspensions and I was like, this is something I'm going to offer to other people. Right. So you wanted to bring in that influence then of I, I need to bring in someone who has, you know, the hygiene mm. protocols yeah. locked down. Yeah. I it, need I need a piercer on
0: board. It's funny because like all the different people that you mentioned, you can totally see that as the influence. You know. The Stellark influence, the Fakir influence, Christiana's influence—like you can, you can see it. And like when you think of it as as different parts of an equation, it really equals, you know, what Wings of Desire became. You you can see all those elements still.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, so, so both me and Christiana, we we were working really well together, and uh, we had our different backgrounds and uh, specialities. And together we. I think we created a really, really good, uh, strong team with uh, like all the aspects. Yeah, really strong hygiene protocols. You know, yeah. okay, we implement the, the hygiene protocols from the piercing studio mm-hmm. because we're doing piercings. Yeah, and then she could learn from me, you know, the other aspects of the suspension, you know, the rigging mm-hmm. and the. And then we just went exploring, and both of us being, uh, you know, uh, particular about quality and wanting, you know, sometimes you look at pictures, ah, this is a really good looking suspension, but fuck, why is this like piece of rope hanging down there? Like, why didn't we tie that up? Yeah, Or cut it, you know? Yeah, Yeah. So both of us having an eye for detail. Yeah. And after each event, whether it was a private suspension event in Oslo or the SOSCON, we would like debrief and like where can we improve. Mm-hmm. We're constantly looking to where we could improve, and how we were training the rest of the crew. And yeah, and, and also of course, uh, the since the very first Oslo SOSCON, which was not called the SOSCON, in 2000, there had been like international attendance. Mm-hmm other people coming with their influences and their knowledge. And that's the that's like the big thing about the Suscons is it's, uh, of course, we have our protocol in Oslo, but we are also inviting practitioners from all over the world to come and join us because we want to pick their brains. Yeah, it's like a you melting know? pot. So we come together and we share experiences mm-hmm. and, uh, and like... So, oh, yeah, so why do you push this way? Why do you do that way? Why do you rig it like this? Let me show you how I do it. And then you, you like discover, like, what, fuck? That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. You're doing it much better than me. Yeah. I will take that idea yeah. and I will I will implement that into my practice.
0: Yeah, one of the neatest things that, that I learned <clears throat> when I went to the symposium was that evolution of, like, is it static rigging to dynamic rigging and all, all that stuff? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh,
1: you know, what to me is intriguing with suspension is like it seems like the, it's endless possibilities. Right. You can suspend a body in any way that body is able to shape, mm-hmm. and you can put it in the air. Yeah. And then you map out the hook placements and what mm-hmm. kind of hooks you want to use and how you want to rig it, and yeah. then you can... Like some of my favorite suspensions are like Lotuses and uh, and Comas and Supermans because you can rig them. It's so the same basic ways. position, yeah. But you can rig them like in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe one time you want to rig it from one single point. Another time you want to rig it like from a four pillars. Uh, you know, you you just choose a different configuration of hooks yeah. and a different way to rig it and. And, and this is the interesting part because there's there's there's, there's no there's no limit. Right. Well that, that shows how much positions. of an art form you can
0: make out of it too. Yeah. You know, and then show all the different creativity, like seeing like Superfly do a show with some of their like crazy rigging, it's like that there's like a person suspended in like a spider web practically. And yeah. it's it's really interesting to see yeah. that. Yeah. What was it like um, <coughs> working out this uh the suspension performance with Stellark that first time? Um no,
1: yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, because I, I invited Stellark like two or three times to come to the Oslo Soscon, And he was like, uh, even he, he was like, yeah, yeah, I'd like to come, uh, you know, pay my flight and my hotel. And it's was like, oh, it's a bit, you know, I couldn't really afford that. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that uh, he was at the time in London, uh, a couple of months a year, uh, teaching at the university there. Huh. So I was like, yeah, well, so is it possible to bring you from London, uh, you know, when you are there? Because he, he that I can lives afford. in Australia, I can, right? Yeah, he lives yeah. in Australia. Yeah. So so I, I can swing a flight from, from the UK. Mm-hmm. I can swing a flight from Australia. Yeah. Uh, and he said, yeah, yeah, that's totally possible. And I was like, fuck, yeah, then, then I have to make another event at another time of year, which would fit his schedule. Mm-hmm. So that's how the first symposium came about. Okay. Because I wanted to bring Stellark to Oslo. I wanted to introduce him to the suspension community, and I wanted to introduce the suspension community to him. Right. It's like... Uh, and I had met him um, at some other festival in Denmark, where he was giving a speech, and uh, we we met, and we talked, and we were, like, discussing, and... And always, like... Kind of, haha, yeah, maybe we could do something together. He's like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. but that's stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can. So um, he was coming to Oslo to give a, give a lecture. Um, and then he said, yeah, maybe it's, it's possible to do some performance. I said, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> if he, there's no added cost. <laughs> that's, Let's do Yeah, know it. no, because yes. he said, yeah, because, you know, back in the day when he was suspending... Um, he had some ideas for suspensions involving multiple bodies, but at the time he couldn't find anyone else willing to get suspended. He could only suspend himself. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, access to bodies is the least of our worries right. because I can, I have access to." Like an army. <laughs> you know, I can recruit bodies yeah. that will suspend whichever way uh, you want. So just, you know, throw your side, give me your idea. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what is it that you want to do? And He said, yeah, no, I had this idea for like five bodies suspending in this configuration. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's totally possible. But how about, you know, how about making it also spin around? Like a mobile. Hmm. Uh, oh, can you do that? Yeah, sure, I can. Do, yeah, yeah. I just need to build some rigs, and hmm. uh, I think I have the right tools and the equipment. And and so we started discussing, and I remember like from the first, he was a little like s- reluctant, a little bit skeptical, you know, to. When I was pitching ideas and saying, yeah, yeah, no, but I can build the rigs out of these things, and it's like, ah, yeah, but, ah, no, a little bit, you know. I said, yeah, don't worry, don't worry, I I, I, I get your drift, I really get your drift, and, you know, I can make the idea in your head happen, and I can add on to it, to make it bigger.
0: Yeah. So what was it like being so able to it, do a, a collaboration with someone who was like pretty pretty influential for you? Was it? No, it was. Uh, I imagine it was pretty satisfying.
1: Yes, very satisfying. Uh, great honor and great pleasure, uh, and also seeing how satisfied he would he was yeah. with with the result mm-hmm. and seeing like uh, making him understand that, well, when you were doing this, you had to get like. A gardener mm-hmm. to pierce you, yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> uh, we have refined the techniques of piercing and hook placements and the hooks and the t- like all the tools that we use. It's you know, we, we've not been a community for a long time and we have refined all these techniques, yeah. Um, like the hygiene aspect and and all of it he, he was just blown away mm. by seeing how we practice today right in comparison to what he did way back then yeah uh, and also like making him understand that you know i have access to the tools i have all the equipment i have the crew mm-hmm. i have the bodies right you know
0: it's not just an idea you can make it a reality yes
1: yeah so that that was pretty much it. He pitched an idea that I could make reality, which for him have always been impossible. But I have a whole crew, mm-hmm. and I can invite you know guests over to help. And, uh, so that was the beginning of the symposium. And uh, the year after, we did another collaboration in Dallas. Uh, Alan invited the uh, Starlark to come to Dallas, Oscon. And we made another performance, and again he was like, Yeah, okay, so this is another idea I have. Uh, He sent it over to me, and we were Skype meeting, and you know, and I was like, Yeah, okay, so um, we need to build this kind of rig, we need to build a structure, we can like figure out you
0: know the load and everything and I'm sure at this point he had a little bit more faith that it was a lot more easy to execute not easy to execute but possible to execute
1: so the next the the second time around it was like it was a lot easier because his confidence also in me and knowing me better and knowing that like I'm not just not I wasn't just saying yeah yeah I can do this Mm -hmm. Uh, you could actually deliver it yeah I had proven that I yeah Hmm. I, I don't make promises that I can't keep. Yeah. So uh, so the communication was a lot easier and, uh, you know, his confidence in me was stronger and also uh, he was more open to my ideas. So it wasn't just, okay, here's my idea, you make it happen. Right. It was like... A collaboration. A, uh, yeah. yeah. So the collaboration was tighter. Uh, And we're now both excited about uh, the third uh, uh, collaboration that we'll do in November at the symposium in Berlin.
0: That's great. That's great. Uh, So another thing I wanted to talk about is it seems that as your success as a suspension practitioner has grown, um, you've... You know you've taken a good leadership position and now you have kind of a venture going where you're going to have your own line of suspension hooks, which seems like a pretty big deal now that there's going to be something that's made specifically for the community and it's by someone who, who knows what the community needs. so how did how did that come about? Did you kind of see them see the market and be like, you know people people need something where they don't have to grind down? a barb off of like a fishing hook and it's like, you know, I'm going to make something for suspension?
1: Yeah, there's there's been an evolution in the, in the hooks. Uh, of course, from the beginning, grinding down fish hooks was the most natural approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, after, of course, using eagle claws and stuff like that <laughs> uh, traditionally. Um, so fish hooks exists they're pretty um, usable for suspension of mm-hmm. course you take down the barb yeah uh, eventually also we discovered that yeah, well, we don't need them to be super sharp yeah. so we can take off the point and mm-hmm. we, yeah because i mean you're, you're piercing with
0: a, a piercing needle essentially yes, not yes, the hook itself yes.
1: yeah although uh, i have uh, also just have had that sharp hooks Pierced just with hooks Mm -hmm. without needles, and uh, lots of people have done that in the past, but of course, it's a lot more convenient having a yeah, and probably safer for the practitioner, too. Yes, you have a needle that is made for the the purpose of penetrating skin, Mm -hmm. Uh, makes it easier, and then uh, the the hook itself doesn't need to be sharp. Yeah, you know, back before, people would used to put like small corks on the tips, you know, Mm -hmm. to protect. the rigors from getting, you know, accidentally stabbed on the hooks. Yeah. Uh, and I like, why don't we just take the point off? Ah, mm-hmm. oh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. You know? Um, and um, the Gilson hooks uh, came about after, like, also many years of... Uh, evolution in that sense uh, Nalan Faulkner has a really nice display of the evolution of, of the Gilson yeah. from the first prototypes and ideas of how to build them and it's um, because of the need for a locking hook um, you know sometimes uh, the hooks will fail you know they're overloaded yeah. and then they will straighten out and you slide off the hooks and that can be dangerous. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Getting very high, right. or in, you know, over a waterfall, mm-hmm. or in certain applications, you need to be sure that the hook is not going to fail. Right. Uh, ultimately, the skin will always be the variable that you can't predict fully. Mm-hmm. So the Gilsons, uh, it's a really good tool. It's a really good uh, hook. I I use uh, use them a lot, and I. I like them and uh, I endorse them, but uh, I don't think they replaced the classic open gape hook uh-huh. in all applications. And then you had the black sheep hooks that came about also, which is developed by, the same as skills developed by people from the suspension community. People that know what this product is going to, what purpose they're going to serve. Uh-huh. Uh, and the black ships also. I love them. I use them a lot, and I, you know, bought a bunch of them for my team, and I, I resell them and distribute them. Um, they're good for certain applications as well. But again, it doesn't for replace the, the, the classic it, style. It, no, and it, you know, they're they're more a lot more expensive. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do a suspension with the. Uh, 10, 20 hooks or 30 hooks or, you know, a a larger amount of hooks, they don't need to be locking hooks. They don't need to be so advanced. Uh Even like for a a basic two-point suicide or a two-point resurrection or any two-point suspension you can imagine, yeah, maybe you don't need, uh, you know, a locking hook. Uh Sometimes I find that the, the straight pin of the Gilson is not the ideal solution uh, for certain placements. So the classic open gate hook has never been uh, replaced mm. by these new products. Yeah, uh, The new products are adding onto our toolbox. Yeah, giving you a wider variety so, for different applications. Uh, yeah. So like in Wings of Desire, in like my or the hooks that we have, if you include different designs and sizes and styles of hooks we have at least like 12 variations Uh of like four of them would be uh, from the Mustad catalogue two different sized black sheeps because luckily I still have some of the first generations uh, a couple different Gilson sizes you know and uh, a couple different sizes of uh, the Sea Demons so in total, yeah, twelve different kinds of hooks. So depending on what suspension uh, I'm I'm doing, I have this variety to choose from. Yeah, and some of them are overlapping, uh, but some of them are better than others. Right, and it will always depend also on the person you're suspending and where you
0: know. Yeah, I mean to compare it to so body piercing, you don't just have one style of jewelry; you have all yeah. of these different styles of jewelry.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it's, it's uh, I'm not the first to come up with the idea or to, um, to to approach Mustad and say, hey, we use your hooks for suspensions. Uh, can you make them for us mm-hmm. without the barb and the point? I remember a long time ago there was uh, some negotiations with Mustad and they say, yeah, uh, the minimum order is 25,000 hooks. Wow. Um, you know, the, the, price of the individual hook wasn't that big but we just couldn't get enough people together. Yeah, that's a to, that's a big you investment. Know, it's like yeah. f- to chip in and, and pay that cost. Mm-hmm. I had the contact at Mr uh, f- like since the beginning of two thousands when I got into suspensions. I, I called Mr and said, I need hooks and yeah, what kind of fish you want to catch? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to catch fish. People. You know? we, yeah. we hang from them. Yeah. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, I'll email you some pictures Ah, oh, okay, now I get you and he sent them pictures back from me. Oh, this is the kind of fish that we catch with them and And then he said yeah, maybe he sent me a link to the catalog. Yeah, what do you think? But maybe this hook is suitable for your purpose. Maybe this uh, You know and I'd explain yeah, we, we, we debarbed them and all this and he was really helpful um Dr. Hook is his nickname. He worked for Mustad for 16 years as a product designer, uh-huh. product developer. So he was really helpful. And then, well, there's been at least one or two attempts before to, to strike a deal with Mustad about, like, a custom-made uh, suspension hook, just pretty much the Sea Demon or the Salmon hooks that we already use, uh-huh. but just make them without the fucking bar. Right, right, right. To save us that.
0: Uh-huh. Work. I would imagine it would probably and, be easier would, for them yeah, too. Yeah, yeah,
1: it, yeah, yeah. We can do that, but at this cost. Mm-hmm. And then you know, it was 10, 15 years ago, making twenty thousand suspension hooks. It's like very unforesee. Like yeah. it's, it's like you it couldn't imagine like, the no, demand for no, that. No. Yeah. I got back in touch with Doctor Hook like a couple of years ago, and he, he said, actually, he we found each other on Facebook and became friends there mm. and then he emailed me kind of out of the blue and said, yeah, you're still doing your like the suspension stuff. I remember our okay. conversations from, you know, and I said, yeah, very much so. I'm actually just back from the Dallas Soscon and it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, no, you think, yeah, you know, I don't work for Mustad anymore, but I think I'm in a position now where I can help you, you know, uh, get a good deal on hooks. Huh. And I said, yeah, you know, good deal on hooks is fine, but Actually, what would be interesting is to, you know, get them made barbless. Right. So, uh, we set up a meeting, I had a meeting, I brought, like, samples of the hooks that we used. And I uh-huh. said, okay, this is how we grind them down, this is how we, you know, if we could just get a perfect taper here and, you know, and like this and that. And he said, yeah, well, I'll talk to Mr. Dad and I'll see what I can do. And then he go back to me and said, yeah, it's possible minimum order 10,000 of each design, uh-huh. each size. We can tweak it a little bit, like this and that, and we discussed back and forth, you know, how to make them optimal for the purpose. And then I got a quote. Great. And I said, Yeah, I think I can swing that. Hmm. I need some time to raise the money. Yeah. So I started the Indiegogo campaign, and uh, uh, the Indiegogo campaign has raised nearly $20,000, which is about a fourth of or a fifth of the total cost. Wow. A wow. Uh,
0: yeah, it's a big investment.
1: Yes, big investment, and uh, I don't really have a lot of money, so I have maxed, like, all my credit mm-hmm. and uh, borrowed money. I, I tried to get a loan in the bank, and they were just laughing at me. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, living as a performer from side shows, like I get by, but, yeah. uh, but I don't have a steady Not income. Not a millionaire. I don't, this is, you know, yeah. it's... I don't have savings uh-huh. I, you know um, but luckily I uh, found some people privately uh-huh. that uh, knows me and trusts me enough
0: to you know lend me that's great a I mean that's money. great that you get you know you're you're trying to make a product for a community and it's great to see that the community supports you yeah. in, in doing
1: that yeah and I okay. so This is what I think, you know. I I will. I have now paid uh, more or less like seventy thousand dollars for um, for the twenty thousand hooks. They are being produced as we speak. I will receive them in December. Uh, I will ship out all the pre-orders in January, like after the Christmas Uh uh, mayhem at the post office, Uh and then I think uh, the sales will pick up from there. As people, you know, as they yep. get around and people see them and mm-hmm. use them, and it's like, wow. Yeah. And you know, the the P.S. hooks is thirty uh, percent less painful. <laughs> so I have, uh, I got some prototypes. I have hung from them a couple of times myself. Yeah. I've hung some other people from them. Happy with it? Very happy with them. I've right. done some manual testing. Uh, broken a few of them mm-hmm. to to you know see
0: what like stress they're testing. Breaking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Stress testing. Mm-hmm. Compared with the original C Demons, they seem to be, you know, uh, 10, 15 kilos stronger. Mm, great. Uh, when I get the Big batch, I will run some serious tests. Like, I got 15 samples. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, I broke, like, 5. Yeah. and 10 I have used <laughs> to suspend people, mm-hmm. you know, to test them for... So, and they're really good, yeah, and I think, you know, to me now... I don't feel like 10,000 Sea Demons and 10,000 Salmon Hooks, well, they're now called the PSX-1 and the Uh PSX-2. Possibly, down the line, there will be more barbless, like, uh, classic open gate hooks Uh in the PS Hooks series, depending on how this goes. But uh, my hopes are that, like, within two years, i get the hooks i will be able to pay back all the money i have borrowed and pay back myself and break even
0: yeah and then start making some money hmm. yeah I, i'd imagine that the, the community is gonna respond to that pretty well yeah it's because you know
1: there's a lot of people who've made or tried open gate hooks hmm. uh, and you see most of them have uh, found that they they don't Manage to to uh, for, forge the hooks or or harden them in a way that they don't just bend out of shape. Bend or break. So they yeah. have to put a lock on it. So yeah. you have these open gate hooks with the bar lock, mm-hmm. and there's like multiple different versions of that. I don't, I've never liked them because they still kind of want to bend. Right. And then sometimes that. Locking bar gets stuck on there mm. and you need to, put, you know, use pliers and tools to get them off. Yeah. And it's and the stress in the metal. Right. So it's where, better where to just have one is, purpose built that can withstand it. That's what I'm thinking. Like yeah. if, if if you make a hook that is not strong enough in itself, you need to put the locking bar on it. Right. It's shouldn't not a good hook, hook you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be making hooks. Yeah. Especially if it, if there's a, and, a human and, and there hanging from it. a company... Yeah. That happens to be called Mustad, which is a Norwegian company, which is one of the oldest fishhook companies in the world. Mm-hmm. They've been making hooks for 175 years. They they they've got it down. Yeah, they've like worked it out. Right, they're making hooks to catch like tuna fish mm-hmm. that is struggling to get off that hook.
0: Yeah, so they've got the engineering figured so out.
1: So they, you know, yeah. yeah. We cannot, as much as we think that we can do anything, I don't think we can match
0: the experience they have in producing hosts. Yeah, especially with a commercial organization that has people studying it and testing it.
1: It's the biggest fishery company in the world. Yeah. And has been like since before all of us were born. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why are we trying to make a product that is, competing with theirs mm-hmm. instead of getting them to, pr- y- right. you know, produce yeah. for us what they are producing anyway for fishing, just with a little modification.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure it's it's great to be able to give them like your industry specific recommendations and be like, you know, I, I need this and I need this and I need this, mm. uh, but just adapted from what you're already making. Yeah. 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 Instead yeah. of trying to start from the yeah. bottom and yeah. reinventing it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's great.
1: So yeah, I uh, I I believe strongly in this, of course, since I've you know, stuck my neck out, and I was thinking, yeah, f- instead of trying to you know f- have everybody pitch in to, to pay the, and then we split all the hooks yeah. between us, it's like okay, I'll I'll do this, mm. and yeah, and it's uh, like it's no 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 secret that I'm I'm hoping to also like. Make some money off of this. Why? Well, yeah, I'm like, sure with yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah, time investment and effort. Enough, yeah, know? it's it's completely fair. I, yeah. I I come from a DIY you know background, so I'm I always feel guilty mm. if I want to you know make, make some profit, make some profit, make money. Yeah, but I don't think you're uh, exploiting but I think it though. I think, I, I think it's I think it's, it's fair, support. You know, you're providing a enough. product
0: that the that the community needs. And, you know, if you make a couple bucks off of it, that's fine. You're not trying to exploit them.
1: No. And it's the same thing is uh, I've been selling hooks for years already because, you know, I think people should have access to good equipment. Yeah. And uh, if they trust me, I will say, okay, this mm-hmm. is what, this is what yeah. I recommend. I, I it's, sell pulleys. Again, I sell it's, police, this, it's the same thing I sell as the body jewelry companies. You know, you know they're,
0: they're providing the product that the community needs. Yes, and nobody's yes. looking at it as, as exploitation.
1: No. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, if I buy barbed hooks and debarb them and then sell them at the markup or mm-hmm. not debarb them even and just sell them. I used to sell, like, all kinds of suspension stuff uh, just at the same price that I bought them from. Mm-hmm. And then Christian or somebody said, "Should at least add, like, fucking 10% for your time and effort. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. Like,
0: yeah. I mean, that's more than fair. It's,
1: it's, don't. Feel bad about it, right. like you're constantly yeah. broke. Yeah, are yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing all these work. It's, it's and worth it just for like, for the,
0: people to not have to track it down and do all that work. And yeah,
1: so and I'm, uh, so I've, uh, you know, I've grown up and I've become better at, uh, you know, not feeling guilty for, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. if I if I can if I can make a good deal and get, pulleys or rig line mm-hmm. or whatever, um, quality products uh, and resell it. I should do as any other yeah, retailer, yeah. you know. Exactly. You, yeah. And if you're not going to do it,
0: somebody else is going to do it eventually. Yeah. yeah. So uh, do you have do you have a website where people can can see these or order them?
1: Um, they're still available through the Indiegogo campaign. Okay. Um, if you go to indiegogo.com and uh, search PS Hooks, mm-hmm. it will take you to the campaign. They're still uh, being sold there. And uh, I will keep that platform as the pre-sale platform until I eventually get launch a website. To, or something like uh, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Paint Solution has a website. Wings of Desire has a website. So next step now is to to uh, to build a web shop. Mm-hmm. A PS shop. Yeah. That will to buy. like all the Paint Solution merchandise. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the different suspension tools uh, that I sell mm-hmm. already uh, will be available, the hooks, the books that we have uh, published, Great. so trying like, to
0: gather all these products in one place. Good. Yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. All right. Well, I really appreciate you talking to me. It's, it's been a really good conversation. Thank you. Cool. Thanks. Thank and you uh, the... I'll check in with you in a couple of months and we'll see how the, the hooks are doing. Cool. cool. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for talking to me, Jave. Appreciate it. Uh, if you're into suspension, keep an eye out for P.S. Hooks. It sounds like he's putting a lot of care and thought into it. It should end up being a great product. I am just about to head out to Montreal for that progressive mentorship class tomorrow. Maybe I can get a couple other interviews. I know some people up around the Montreal area. Uh, maybe I'll pop into the shop and see if they're free and have some time to talk with me. Uh, I'll be back next week with another interview, and thanks for listening.